my currency at the end of the day is influence. And the only way I can influence is by designing those win-wins, which is what I learned the best sellers are doing every day. Hey there, I'm Graham, and you're listening to the Sales Nerds Live podcast. If everybody knows you're running this experiment, marketing is running campaigns, sales is supporting, customer success understands that we're running an experiment, right? And then if it turns and it doesn't work, that's okay. It's a successful experiment. We all now know and understand better that we just need to DQ these opportunities. And what I see happening most often is experiments are just running in silos that nobody knows. Right. Where this like, oh, we've been running an experiment. Who knew? Yeah. On today's episode of Sales Nerds Live, host Graham Collins welcomes Farhan Mangiani, a product marketing manager at Grafana Labs. Today, the two unpack the lifelong skills SDRs gain throughout their experiences and how it sets up the perfect stepping stone for other more senior career paths in tech. Let's dive in. Sales Nerds Live is brought to you by your friends at Quotapath. Quotapath removes the manual lift out of sales commissions by automating the compensation process. We calculate and track your team's commissions, prepare them for payouts, and even give your reps the ability to forecast attainment and future earnings. We're the only solution loved by reps, leadership, and finance. Come nerd out with us on Sales Nerds Live. Well, Farhan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and Grafana Labs? Yeah, totally. Start with Grafana and work backwards. PLDR is we make tools for developers. Specifically, we're trying to understand the health of their uh, systems and applications. There's like two roles in particular. There's like the DevOps engineer and there's the site reliability engineer. As you can imagine, pretty important job where basically any issue that you find, uh, their job is to act and resolve it and ideally prevent it from occurring in the first place. And this is all in a field called observability. So we're just making tools to help them out with that entire process. One of those things where as long as nobody knows you exist, you're good to go. Like that's the, you know, the the more visible it is, the worse off you are. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Not unlike uh, like RevOps or SalesOps is to sales or marketing, right? Like you want them there, but ideally you don't know they're there because then you probably have a bigger problem. Exactly right. Right. So me um, So what about yourself? Tell me about, about yeah. your, yeah, yourself. So I started out uh, carrying a bag, right? SDR land, a couple of startups before going into product marketing. Um, I've almost always been focused on tactical buyers, at least in the product marketing role. And then today, leading go-to-market efforts for some of those kind of 911 services of like, you have an incident. How do I resolve those incidents? Uh, at at uh, Grafana. And I can dig in a little bit to like, how did that all start? Yeah. How did SDR even, yeah, even let's, come let's from? Do it. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the name of the game here is starting, starting in an SDR role. So what caused you to start in your career as an SDR? So back in college, uh, I was a tour guide for four years. And it, in those interactions, I happened to meet one of my like, still to this day, great mentors and it randomly came up in conversation where my initial goal was like, hey, I really love being a tour guide. I really love this like platform to do storytelling and help others define and create their own stories. And I actually originally wanted to go into college admissions. And it was one of these mentors who worked in tech. And he was like, you know, actually, you have the perfect set of skills to go make a lot of money and help, co- and help companies make a lot of money. Have you thought about sales? And I was like, no, never. Tell me more. Yeah. 
We were back and forth a little bit. um, And then I made my first cold call um, and end up going and meeting up with a CEO of a startup in Hong Kong. And my first job out of college was I was employee number five uh, at a startup. And about two quarters in, we got acquired. And then (laughs) I don't know if you remember, Graham, shortly after that, uh, is where they were like, hey, why are you paying this American so much money? And so I started interviewing for roles back in Austin. And it was like 1 a.m. Hong Kong time. And I'm interviewing with you to go back to Austin and join uh, uh, join Chunkai. And that's, that's right. I'd forgotten that, that our first conversation occurred at when you should have been asleep. I uh, I had forgotten <laughs> that. So so your first cold call, you, you remember your first cold call? Yeah. First cold call, like going back to in my trend kite days, uh, I'm pretty sure the first like seven calls I made, no one answered. And I was like, oh, I can do this. And the first time someone answered, I was like, oh, shit, I have to talk to people now. (laughs) This is like, this is what do I say? What do I do? And it was like the first one was was pretty rough. I'm pretty sure. Uh, someone said, where did you get my number? And I'm pretty sure the first thing I said was, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, no, no, no. It's my no, that's not it. Yeah, exactly. uh, yeah that, that was my first cold call. <laughs> it was a good yeah. experience. Yeah. That's great. I don't, I don't think I can remember my first cold call. So that's that's cool that you do. Uh, well, so obviously you you didn't go all the way through to sales. I'm not talking to you as a, as a sales manager. I'm talking to you as a product marketing manager. So how did you make that transition from the sales track that the typical SDRs take to a marketing track? Yeah, great question. So for me, my first exposure came while I was in the SDR role at Trendkite, right, where we had these folks that would come into the sales floor. This is all BC right before COVID, we're all in office. These folks would come in and they just knew everything about our buyer. Right, they knew how they were measured um, for success. They knew what their boss cared about versus what they cared about. They knew everything about our competition. They just knew so much about the market and the space. And to me, I was always enamored by that fact. Right, and a couple of conversations later is when I realized that it's product marketing, and the basic job description is take the guesswork out of sales for your specific product domain. Right, who cares about this? How do we talk about it? How should we price? And what's the alternative? And more importantly, how are we different from the alternative? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I, I Sorry to, to cut you off there, but I feel like product marketing is one of those things that can be so many different, can have so many different definitions. You know, I, I think that in sales, salespeople just assume that it is case studies, you know, or, or whatever. Totally. And so, whereas you just identified a few different areas where um, where you feel like product marketing is. So do you have like a, a unified definition of product marketing or is that what you already just gave me? Yeah, kind of the two mental models here that I think is helpful to think about is like the simplest one is how do we connect the dots between what the market is looking for and what our product does, right? And in that, how you communicate, part of it is what are we saying in sales calls? And that includes what are we actually physically showing tactically in a slide or a case study, et cetera. Uh, But then also how is that message consistent between what are we saying on the phone? What are we saying in emails? What are we saying on the website? What is represented at, let's say shows or anything, right? How do we have a consistent message that lines up to how they talk about their problem internally, right? Ideally the goal of product marketing is like mirroring those 
uh, one-to-one. The other mental model that I think is helpful is people always ask, what's the difference between product management and product marketing? I don't get it. You're all over here talking about the product, like you're not a product manager. What do you mean? My frame of reference here is product managers are the expert on the user, the end user of your tool. And we're talking typical B2B here, whereas product marketers are solely focused on the buyer. The person is actually signing the check and allocating the resources for you to put in this tool in place. And so that's kind of two sides to the same coin. And so it is, uh, my belief is you cannot be effective as a product marketer if you are not one-to-one aligned with sales. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I was going to, that's where I figured you were going to go is the the relationship between product marketing and sales. And so now this may be a leading question, but yeah. it seems like you went the the sales route at first. Um, you know, and, and I, I guess the, the whole topic of this is what skills you learned as an SDR that help you in your current function. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the skills that you learned yeah, as an SDR? Totally. There are three buckets of, of skills uh, that I learned. The first is basic skills around how businesses make money. I didn't realize tech SaaS companies in particular. There is so much that I didn't realize that I didn't know until kind of the first, I still remember first day training of Trendguide is here's how we as a business make money. And here's how you reverse that into a quota. Here is basically how one dial leads to a dollar. And this is what happens with that dollar in the business. And that's why things like payment terms are important. That's why companies will ask questions about uh, cash flow. And this is where cash flow becomes challenging, et cetera, et cetera. The basic understandings of what are the right metrics of health of a business? It's so helpful to really understand that a lot of your job as an SDR is taking this kind of big thing of like, I have a revenue engine for a company and being able to reverse engineer into inputs and outputs. What am I doing today that's going to affect that bigger piece? It's very rare, I feel, in functions outside of sales that you can have such a methodical uh, kind of tactical approach to here's what I'm doing today directly impacts bottom revenue line for the company. It was hugely helpful to connect those dots. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. And I think that's that's incredible. I love hearing that, that you learned that early on. So is that something that you feel like, I mean, it, it's easy in sales. You know, I, I have that whole model of like, you know, working backwards. You want revenue. Okay, you yep. need opportunities. You need demo. You need cold calls, whatever. You, whatever. Like working backwards there, it's easy for sales people to get, especially SDRs. But do you feel like that's an important model to demonstrate or discuss within every role in the company? A hundred percent. Obviously biased because I started in an SDR world, but my take is in my general approach to every role I've ever had is how is what I'm doing today affecting the company's largest problems? And those are typically ones with dollar signs attached to them. And if I can't draw a line between my work and dollar signs, then I don't have the right priority, right? And I should, I sh- you shouldn't be guessing whether or not something you're doing is important if you can connect it back to that impact. Um, I think the the second bucket of skills that was really helpful for me is the difference between transactional selling and empathy-based selling. And how I differentiate those are, how do I change this conversation uh, into, hey, here's you and me versus this problem. And then how can we together frame uh, our solution internally to your organization as a solution to the pains you're facing as an organization. 
And it's not about me and it's not about you. It's about the problem. And more importantly, how this solution makes both of us look good. Because I get dollars at the end of the day. That's I'm not hiding that. And you maybe get a promotion. You maybe get more influence in your organization, whatever. How can we design this as a win-win scenario? I use this every day as a product marketer because my goals effectively are just a hodgepodge of other people's goals, right? There's some product adoption stuff. There's some revenue stuff. There's some top of funnel marketing stuff, but I don't own the website, right? I don't own a quota. I don't own the roadmap. My currency at the end of the day is influence. And the only way I can influence is by designing those win-wins, which is what I learned the best sellers are doing every day. That's why their buyers rely on them and see them as uh, individuals that can seek advice from for their best problems instead of transactional sales. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I have a couple of questions on that, or one comment and one question. So I Should. um I do this all the time. I try to say, you know, rather than you versus me sitting across the table, it's like let's sit on the same side of the table and it's you and me against the problem. And yep. You can ask my wife. I try to do it in, in even in relationships. <laughs> We've been together since we were 16 years old. So I guess maybe it works somewhat. But we um, but but I think that in business, that's incredibly important. And especially also in sales, like you said, uh, it's not just let me show you a demo and see how many dollars I can get out of you. It's let's work together to see how my solution can solve your problem or, or you know, you and I can work together to solve your problem. I think that's great. Um, the question that I have is, I know that you've worked also in um, at a company in Austin called Rev, where uh, they they have a PLG function and, and like self serve. And uh, now I don't know how much you interacted with that, um, but I'm curious how like how that sort of consultative sales comes in in a PLG model versus in a traditional SaaS like demo negotiation close the deal style process. Yeah, it's a good question. And so Rev's product marketing team was basically aligned to three different segments. One was the self-serve PLG mo motion. One was the enterprise. My focus was on developer, which developer-led sales essentially mirrors the PLG function, right? It's very much, we go straight to the user, we get our product in the hands of the user, we enable them to put down whatever they need to through a credit card, then we go up in the organization and ideally connect back to the buyer with the pitch of, hey, your team already uses this and loves it. We can just get the things that you need to be enterprise ready, like throw some security on there, throw some other stuff, admin features, and we can bundle this up into uh, a contract. And so yeah. I would say a lot of it is exactly that, right? A lot of your champions and coaches that you're developing internally, you have to think before that call and in your prep, which all of this like being prepared to go in a meeting and have a successful outcome, I would say is a huge takeaway from being an SDR. It's always, do I have a reason to call? Can I think about what you're going to say and then have a reason that doesn't sound stupid? Like, oh, you're the next in my dial. So I hit mm -hmm. call, right? Like, how do I make sure this is a useful, fair value exchange that I'm earning the right to ask you for the things that I need to be successful by in turn helping you look better to your boss or something else that's going to help you at the top of mind for you. You use that exact same thing uh, in PLG sales, right? You have to, at the end of the day, how can I get this into your hands as quickly as possible? Whereas you may care a whole lot about, you know, your personal time savings, your boss probably doesn't care how much time <laughs> yeah. it saves, but if you could talk about how much, you know, 
time this is going to free up to focus on that one project that no one's been able to get to as a team because you're getting bogged down in this processes? Well, that's a much more interesting conversation. That's great. That's that's fascinating. I um, I feel like so much of PLG people think is a foreign, entirely different beast, but so much of it comes back to what we all know and love um, in, in, at least in the sales perspective. So, um, well, great. I, I, I interrupted you there after you talked about that. What other no, skills no do you have any more that you want to rattle off here as far as skills that you've learned uh, or you learned in that SDR function? Yeah. The last one is I think probably most universal and, and uh, hits closest to home for most people in the SDR okay. role, which is being comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? It sucks to be hung up on. It sucks when you put a lot of work into a meeting and then you get ghosted. It sucks maybe the most, for me personally at least, seeing your name on a leaderboard where you're underperforming relative to your peers. But all these things I feel like really helped me develop the inner hustle, right? Of I have to, at the very least, outwork everybody else around me, right? And I'm not going to stop and I'm not going to stop until I figure out exactly how I can do that, right? Because there is something that you do better than anyone else. Maybe it's your efficiency, right? Like how many accounts it takes you to get meetings booked. Maybe it's the amount of contacts. Maybe you can go higher in organizations better than others. Maybe you're you know, more uh, intellectually, <laughs> intellectually sound around your product and you can actually speak to it without having to rely on others, whatever it is, right? Like you have the skill and then you can use that to go very far in an organization. Um, that like grit and knowledge and understanding I developed as an SDR and I still use it every day today when I'm jumping into, you know, a product I have no idea about, a space I have no idea about. Like now those being uncomfortable doesn't scare me the same way. Hmm. Um, that's great. I think grit is such an important thing and, and it, going out and doing things, you know, cold calling is a scary, scary, scary thing to do. Nobody likes cold. Well, I mean, I'm sure there are people out there who like cold calling, but I'm not one of them. Um, and so going out there and doing those things that scare you and, and being gritty, that's great. Um, now I'm going to throw a curveball at you a question. I didn't prep you on here. Um, are there any skills you feel like are unique to SDR or skills where you don't ever use that anymore? I don't use them today, but I think it's rather situationally based because I don't lead a team. If I did lead a team, then I think I would bring some of this back. But a lot of the like uh, rituals and rigor of how you structure your day, a lot of it is like structured around others, <laughs> right? Like yeah. it's really, this is the optimal time to do this. And this is the optimal time to do this. And then you have an hour to do this. And that's pretty much it. Going back. And actually that's something I struggled with is just having open space to be able to now choose was something that took a little bit of time to get used to of like, oh, I have this whole day or I have this whole week and I know I want to get these things done, but I can do it whenever. That's weird. Well, why don't I do it between nine to 11? Because that's when people are at their desk. Wait, that doesn't matter anymore. right? I don't have to think about that anymore. I think that's probably the, the one thing is like having to have such a structured and regimented day that is very uh, oriented around like who I'm trying to reach. Hmm. That's interesting. I, and, and I really struggled with um, when I first got out of a strictly sales role or even SDR role, not having a quota, 
was really struggling. It was a real struggle for me because I didn't know how well I was doing. Um, and I know that sounds silly, but like with a quota, it's so easy to say, I'm at a hundred percent. I have done my job properly because I have, I, I hit my quota, but in other roles, you know, in, in marketing roles or in, in chief of staff roles, which is like role now, um, there's no yardstick for me to say like, I'm doing a good job. And I really struggled with that. And it took me to a while to realize like, well, I can, I can set goals and I can measure my progress towards those goals. I don't have to have somebody else tell me what my quota is. Yeah. A hundred percent. There's like, there's, there's, uh, it's scary to have that freedom, but at the same time, it can be really liberating once you connect the dots that you just did. Right. Which is like, wait, (laughs) I can literally set my goal to anything and I can push myself as hard as I want to or need to. And maybe some of that is like, there's the easy path where I can set a super achievable goal. And then I always hit my quota, quote unquote, but that competitive nature in you that like, be it because you liked it or because you had to can come back out if you try or pushing yourself further. Right. Which is one of the reasons I, I always try every single quarter. I'm like, look, what, what is the sales team's goal? What is my product area contribution to the overall company revenue? How much am I going to help change that number working hand in hand with sales this quarter? And I need to see that as well as what is our product adoption today for my area? And then what I want it to be at the end of the quarter and then work backwards from there, right? Like I, I definitely feel that I always have to have like some numeric goal that I can talk about and think about a, a from to for, for my projects. Um, it, it is a little scary to just have nothing. <laughs> it doesn't feel no right. No goal, nothing, nothing. I know I, I um, have been working really closely with our marketing team and it's, it's always so strange because, um, well, for a lot of reasons, no, just kidding. Um, th- because <laughs> managing PRs was every person was doing the same thing. You know, they, you know, I had 40 reps and four managers underneath me and everybody was doing the same thing. They had one singular target, but in marketing, it's like product marketing is doing one totally thing, different. brand is doing another thing, content, demand gen, design, like everybody has a, a slightly different, I mean, yes, sure. They're at the end of the day, we're all heading towards the same goal, but everybody is doing something entirely different every day. So it's a, it's different. Well, um, so uh, speaking about that, speaking of sales and, and marketing, so I don't know how closely you work with SDRs now, but what are the best ways that you've found SDRs can partner with marketing and build champions within marketing? Yeah, great question. Um, hopefully not a too spicy topic, but for us at Grafana, SDRs report into marketing, specifically yeah. Dimension. Uh, a lot of the times, then, a lot of the times that that uh, is the case. So no, definitely uh, not not that spicy. Don't worry. So no. far, at least, it's interesting. Um, I, I see a lot of a lot of benefits to that structure. I've I've seen other structures in the past, um, but anyways, anyway, I'll give like a general marketing example, and then I'll give one more specific to product marketing. The more general marketing example is uh, as an SDR, as a seller in general you want a reason to reach out, right? And you don't want to just say, oh, just wanted to see, hey, can I do anything and have literally nothing? Or did you get my last email? Did you get my last phone call, right? Like just that's checking in, just, just wanted to check in, see how it's, it's going, you know, it's the worst. Utterly useless, right? Use your discovery. You know this person, what they care about, the pains and problems they're trying to solve better than anyone. Marketing at the end of the day, in general, just wants to grow awareness and general market Mindshare. They're always promoting or creating, trying to build a like long list of 
content, be it webinars, blogs, videos, whatever. It's going to get created anyways. In my mind, the best way to work together with them is bring together that list of, hey, my prospect would love to see this, right? Is someone maybe in their industry? Here's some details about their use case. Can we have them come and write? Can we have someone else write something similar that I can then share with them so they can see how it's done? They're really looking to, I'm trying to position us as someone that can teach them best practice or rather prove that, you know, we've we've done this before and here are the people they really look uh, as, as leaders in the industry. Can we get something here, right? Connecting those dots are, are huge because otherwise marketing is just going to be creating content because that's the, that's the overall goal, right? You can connect those dots uh, for them. The product marketing specific example is the best sellers, in my experience, sell outside your ideal customer profile. The best sellers are making strategic bets on, hey, there is someone that we don't quite fully service today. It's not the best product market fit, but in my opinion, this is the future, right? And sometimes they're wrong, sometimes they're not, but they're finding gold before anybody else on the team. And as a product marketer, right, thinking about not only our buyer today, but similarly the buyer and the product of tomorrow, being in the trenches with them and then being able to connect the dots and say, this is not just a single data point, but now I have multiple data points that equal a trend. And then co-presenting that information back to product and saying, hey, look at what we're finding, right? How are we addressing our roadmap for these needs that we're not yet meeting, but potentially should in let's say six months to a year? Those sellers are sometimes finding it, but they don't even realize that this is an actual trend, right? Not just some random data point. And that's product marketing's job is to kind of zoom out across all deals and identify those trends and, and bring it back to product and engineering. That's great. I One specific example that I can think of is that um, at, at TrendKite, we had a um, few instances where we sold to professional sports teams. We sold to some, some NBA teams and some MLB teams. And we were like, this is amazing. We closed these deals. This is terrific. This is like right up our ICP. The same thing went for, for zoos. We sold to zoos and aquariums. And we were like, sold the three or four of them. We were like, this is amazing. We need to get every zoo and every sports team on, on TrendKite. And then we did a bunch of experimentation and we had the SDRs like reach out. And I, I took some volunteers Some people were like, yeah, heck yeah. Raise their hands. I want to do this. Did a bunch of outbounding. Turns out they're not, they're not ICP. They don't really work very well. They, they churn, they take forever. They're not very good contract values. They're super exciting. You know, you have a, a logo of the Houston Astros yeah. was one of my clients. Um, and I was really excited about it, but then they turned two years later. And so that's a perfect example where like, you don't know what your ICP is a lot of the time. Um, and it, because it's kind of amorphous and constantly changing. And if all you do is focus in on what you think works, you're going to be in trouble because what happens if it changes or you're missing out on this other entity? Yeah. That's I think cool. the, the nugget for me there is, is a coordinated experiment, right? Yeah. And churn is okay if it's expected churn. Unexpected churn is where people will go crazy, right? So if everybody knows you're running this experiment, marketing is running campaigns, sales is supporting, customer success understands that we're running an experiment, right? And is also maybe setting up a target team to support, then if it churns and it doesn't work, that's okay. It's a successful experiment. We all now know and understand better that we just need to DQ these opportunities. 
what I happen, what I see happening most often is experiments are just running in silos and nobody knows. And then someone's like, oh shit, what is that? Right. Like, right. where did this like, come oh, from? Oh, we've been running an experiment. Who knew? Yeah. Doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah, no, I like that. That's it has to be definitely a cohesive um effort. Um, okay, so we are coming up on time. Um, I have my last three questions that I ask everybody. Now I'm gonna have to slightly modify the first one for you um, because it was, uh, or actually I'm gonna have to slightly modify the, sorry, the second one. Uh, so the first one, kind of rapid fire questions, pretty easy. What piece of advice would you give yourself on your first day of work? Don't forget to market yourself. I find in the work that you're doing and connect the dots for, for others on like how you got there, right? Like one of the things that happened to me pretty often is I was so heads down focusing on delivering and learning and blah, blah, blah. And I realized that outside of my direct manager, nobody else knew. And especially in a role like product marketing that is so cross-functional across marketing, sales, and product, if they don't know, it's basically the same as it not existing in the first place. And so half the time, uh, maybe half is an exaggeration, but a bulk of my time at the beginning of any project is socializing. Here's what I'm trying to do. Here's how I think it aligns to the company goals. How does this align to your priorities? And going back to empty-based selling, right? Can we design a win-win from now? Something that you're also trying to do, then it makes it so easy for us to team up and share resources. But don't forget to market yourself in addition to working hard, learning, uh, outperforming, et cetera. I like it. That's good. Um, all right. So this is one I have to modify. Normally it's, it's, if you weren't working in sales, what else would you be doing? But let's say if you weren't in your current role, if you weren't in product marketing, what would you be doing? That's a good question. Um, I love product marketing. It's a lot of fun, but if I didn't work in product marketing, I think I like, I'm going to go super left field here. I would outside of tech entirely. I would love to do uh, tech reviews on YouTube. This is like probably the eh, good and bad habit that I picked up during COVID, where I would just go through like, I love these videos where someone did like the desk makeover or they're like, oh, this is my everyday carry. These are the techs and tools and blah, blah, blah that I use that make my life easier. This is how a DIY to convert your home into a smart home. Like those are the types of things I love. and more companies coming out with little trinkets like this, like it would be so fun to just spend all my time playing, learning, understanding, and helping others make decisions about how to incorporate technology to make their life better. I like it. What, uh, do you have a, a recent addition, a recent tech addition to your life that you really like? Oh, Copilot. Um, in the personal finance bucket, I tried Mint, tried You Need a Budget. I tried so many different ones. The specific use case is uh, now I'm engaged and we're starting more than ever to start thinking about individual finances, but then a separate third bucket of shared finances and there's shared bills and there's individual bills. And it's one app that nicely tracks across all of it and like makes it. it so much easier to just understand like, where is my money going? How are categories trending up or down? Like all the things you'd wish in a personal finance app, it is paid, but uh, as an Indian, I'm very stingy about <laughs> where I put my money and I very happily give them money every month right. for this app. That's great. That's great. 
congratulations on, on the engagement. And now you have Thank to also you. be budgeting for a wedding. So, um, oh, that too. as an Indian, Indian I don't know, are you doing, are you doing expensive. a big Indian wedding? Are you doing a, <laughs> oh, a yeah. nice big Indian wedding? Nice. Wonderful. Yeah. There, there is a show on Netflix called marriage or mortgage, and it is very much, I'm sure, inspired by someone who had Indian friends, because I can <laughs> tell you down payment for a house and an Indian wedding are roughly the same cost. I like it. I like it. An Indian friend of mine from college, uh, apparently was on a Netflix show about like big Indian weddings. So apparently he, he was- Oh yeah? Married. So yeah, I'll nice. text about it later. Um, all right, last question. Um, what are you watching, reading, and or listening to right now? And now this can be, you know, uh, highbrow uh, tech podcasts or whatever, or it can be like trashy TV. It doesn't matter. What, what's What's got your attention right now? I'll give uh, a little- a little of everything. There is favorite like general business news is the After Hours podcast. A couple of professors from HBS all come together. Each one has a different discipline, like one is in finance, et cetera, et cetera. And it is enormously helpful how they break down just general, very difficult concepts like and big meaty ones. Like for example, help me understand why we have supply chain issues and why someone like Peloton is struggling to deliver. Like, I just don't get it. Yeah. 20 minutes, break it all down. Super simple. Understand all the key players, all the key challenges. It's awesome. Uh, one like of my it. favorite. I was Always listening, up to, to listening to The Indicator this morning and they were talking about how words get added to, uh, to the dictionary. And one of the words that got added to the dictionary this year was supply chain. Uh, and I was fascinated that... It was first used in like the 1910s or 1920s, but finally got added to the, the dictionary this year because of supply chain issues. So. Super interesting. Yeah. All right. What else? What do you, do you have another one? Yeah. A TV show that I like, huh, I love, I can watch all day is Billions. This is like House of Cards, basically, if you're familiar with that general storyline but apply to the finance world of like Wall Street versus mm. Department of Justice and all the like inside baseball of either skirting or trying to go after one another. Super, super interesting. Right. Uh, uh, man, I like love that show. That, I like it. That keeps me going. Um, awesome. There are a cool. lot of well, like so small articles here and there, but those are the big ones. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, well, so the um, last thing here uh, any plugs and it can be personal i know you do a lot of talking and um on some boards for some dei stuff or um so personal plugs professional plugs anything you want to throw out there yeah personally love product marketing if you're thinking about finding product market fit uh, looking for product market fit deciding the first price anything in that kind of general world happy to help out um, mainly focus on B2B companies for the technical buyers, but can definitely chat with others or recommend someone in my network. Uh, Grafana is super interesting companies. One of the rare places where I feel like I've met very, very smart people that are also very kind. I met a lot of smart people that use that intelligence to justify kind of being assholes, <laughs> but <laughs> they're not at Grafana. And I feel like there's a there's an abundance of them. So actively hiring growing. Don't uh, see any shortages coming anytime soon. So uh, feel free to reach out if you're interested in any role. That's great. And how do people find you, Ron? LinkedIn is is the best way. Not super active on anything else. LinkedIn. Got it. Got it. Yeah. You're, you're fortunate. You don't have a 
a super common name. I get just a bunch of old English men named Graham Collins. So uh, <laughs> finding you is, is fairly easy on LinkedIn. There's a lot of Farhans in my community, actually. I'm combining the first and last name, but fair enough. There it. may be a lot of Farhan Mangianis out there, but yeah. uh, only one on this week's Sales Nerds Live. So really, really appreciate you coming by. Um, next week, we have a Sales Nerds Live with uh kd kevin dorsey really excited about that one nice. um register and what like and subscribe uh, my uh my youtuber now did, yeah. did i do it for him follow follow awesome. for the most recent news around sales nerds yeah excellent thank you so much have a good one appreciate it graham take care bye